Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. This is the Johnny Cleveland Podcast. All things Cleveland sports with your host, John Suchan. And good evening and welcome to the Johnny Cleveland podcast, part of the Fanatical Elves Network. And we are joined by a great guest this evening. We have Bruce Hooley, longtime uh, sports uh, radio guy, uh, writer. Um, I grew up pretty much, I have listened to Bruce for for many years in the past uh, because I'm a diehard Cleveland uh, fan, a Cleveland Browns fan. And uh, we're just lucky to have Bruce here tonight. And Thank you, Bruce, for joining our uh, show this evening. How are you this tonight? I'm doing great, John, and it's a pleasure to be on. You were a faithful listener of the Spielman and Hooley podcast back when Chris and I were on, and that's how we got to know each other, and it's been exciting for me to watch you grow your own brand and influence up in Northeast Ohio as it pertains Thank to you. what was always topic one on uh, my days at ESPN 850 WKNR, which is what is our Browns topic today? So looking right. forward to talking to you about the Browns and other things. <laughs> Yeah, well, thank you. Well, the, well, the Browns have had a uh, a, a very uh, exciting weekend. Um, fans are still uh, basking in in in, in glory. Um, they, they they pulled off a, a, a pretty big upset win um, over the San Francisco 49ers. They were a ten point underdog at home, uh, which probably ruffled a few feathers on the defensive side of the ball. And they played tremendously well again. And I just did an article for Fans First uh, talking about that number one defense. Uh, what were your uh, takeaways in- initially from the big win? Well, I think, you know, the, it's hard to win a game in the NFL. Uh, Spiels used to talk to me about that. Chris Spielman used to talk to me about that all the time. You'd have a team that's, you know, one win, yeah. win yeah. a game against a team that's an elite NFL team. And he's talking to me about it's just hard to win a game in the NFL. Mm-hmm. And to count the Browns out because they had a bunch of injuries. I mean, it makes sense. You don't have Joel Batonio. You don't have Nick Chubb. You don't have Deshaun Watson. You're down to your third quarterback. And Brock Purdy's never lost a regular season game. I get it. But you can't plan on uh, Debo Samuel, Christian McCaffrey going out of the game. True. And you can't plan on the momentum you get from a home crowd like that. So a tremendous win by the Browns. And we can get into, like, you know, the, the, the belly aching and the qualifying that 49er fans want to get into <laughs> about calls at the end or whatever. But the bottom yeah. line is you had a a makeable field goal at the end when the game you didn't make it. That's on you, not on anybody else. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I was up there with my lovely wife, Laura Jean, and uh, we we were dodging raindrops at first. Walked around beautiful Cleveland Brown Stadium for for the rest of the game, um, and it was really one of those games where you know you you look at it, you look back at at how it all pr- progressed. I actually, watched it on on replay this afternoon again. And outside of that, that first drive, the 49ers went 84 yards mm-hmm. and they, they, they ended up with 215 yards for the, for the game. And when we were leaving at the two minute warning, they only had 160 before they went on that last drive to try to kick that 
field goal. So that's that's 78 yards, I think, between the first drive and the last drive of, of, of the game. I mean, which is really just solid. I mean, that's why they are the number one d- defense and there are stats along, you know, if, if you start looking at it, they're, they're number one in about eight or nine defensive categories. Yeah. And to me also points out a truism in the NFL, you know, Jim Schwartz is a phenomenal defensive coordinator. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was not a phenomenal yeah. head coach. And there are guys who are just tremendous at being uh, coordinators or being position coaches that are not cut out for being a head coach because the skill set is really totally different. So first of all, the coordination of the defense, the plan of the defense under Jim Schwartz and the staff he's put together, he's maximizing the talent around him. And they have a lot of talent. They have a Mm -hmm. really good secondary. If you can shut people down with your secondary and they have the talent Mm -hmm. to do that. And then you augment it with the pass rush and some of the smart uh, offseason acquisitions that they've made. Mm -hmm. They have linebackers who can make plays. I mean, there's really nothing lacking in that no. defense. And coming out of that kind of a performance, whether uh, Samuel and McCaffrey were limited or not, mm-hmm. George Kittle wasn't limited. He had one catch for one yard. Nobody else I've yeah. seen has done that to him other than the Cleveland Browns. That's true. Yeah, no. it. Um, you know, when you think about Jim Schwartz and, you know, coming – and I, I didn't realize this stat until, mm-hmm. like, Thursday. One of my colleagues, Elliot, was talking about the re- – or it was, I think it was Steve Gill who was mentioning that Schwartz's record going into that game against uh, Kyle Shanahan was eight and one as a, mm. either as a coach or as a defensive coordinator. So like, even though we we're, you know, 10 point underdogs, that's, that's pretty significant when you have a seven or eight win record against another coach, obviously that other coach probably knows that. And there's a little <laughs> bit of a mental side to that. And so I thought that was a big thing uh, going into this game. Wasn't sure after that first drive that the 49ers put together, but man, they really just came to play. And that, and the way that he's got the, the guys running down downfield, I mean, running at the ball, mm-hmm. um, it's, it's very refreshing as, as a Browns fan. <laughs> yeah. And here's the thing, like, obviously, you know, everybody knows Kyle Shanahan's history in Cleveland. And I think those things can be way overblown. Like none of the guys mm-hmm. on this team have an ax to grind with Kyle Shanahan. But what it can do, given Kyle Shanahan's experience in Cleveland, is it can make Kyle Shanahan not react the way he typically would. I thought he coached mm-hmm. that game so hoping to win and defend his honor, if you will, that he coached <laughs> unlike Kyle Shanahan typically coaches. And I think mm. he, instead of going for it on, you know, with relying on the talent that he had at his disposal, yes, he was, I thought, very, very conservative uh, to his detriment. And he really, mm-hmm. I mean, he was counting on an interception to get back in the football game. And right. I joked after the game, if you you and your listeners remember, when Kyle Shanahan left Cleveland, he was under contract. And he had uh-huh. to essentially convince Jimmy Haslam why you should let me go. And he issued a, uh-huh. went in, Tony Grossi reported this at ESPN Cleveland. He went in with a so many point PowerPoint presentation. Okay. And I joked after the game on Twitter, like, is there going to be a PowerPoint presentation from Shanahan about, you know, why he uh, lost that game? Because uh-huh. uh, I didn't think he coached like he typically could coach. Not taking anything away from the Browns. I'm just saying that, you know, yeah. players so, make mistakes under duress. Coaches can too. And I think he really wanted yeah. to win that game. Mm-hmm. And it got to him in some way, form or fashion. Well, typically we're talking after a Browns game about our coach, Kyle, I mean, uh, Kevin Stefanski. I call him old steady Eddie. And, you know, he, he got the win and though there are still fans, I saw some 
uh, radio programming today that where fans are still calling for you know Kevin to be fired, and uh, after this huge win, where do you stand with with Kevin? And you know, I the the fact that he's four years into this, which is pretty significant as a Browns fan and watching this team over the years, that 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 he's still there, and um, you know he's doing some good things. He's had a good track record. He was that longtime assistant in in Minnesota. Mm-hmm. Where do you where do you fall with uh, Kevin? Do you think that he's he's the right guy moving forward? Well, I mean, four years as a Browns head coach is like what is that in dog years? Like I mean, AWG years, you know? Like <laughs> we don't have four year coaches here very often. So no, I think ever. he's been ill served in his credit for the job he's done. Mm-hmm. In that he wasn't on the sidelines when they beat the Steelers in the playoffs. COVID mm-hmm. took him off the sidelines, and I That's think people look at him differently. If he actually had been out there and that visual, master, yeah, masterminded that, but you can't take that away from Kevin Stefanski. Hello, folks. He won a playoff game against the Pittsburgh Steelers. Okay, now that's not a lifetime achievement award that buys you forever. And I will say, I was a big supporter of Stefanski in the beginning. I liked what he did. I think he becomes a victim of his own creativity. There was a play earlier mm. in the year where they <laughs> handed it off on a reverse. The reverse, the guy on the reverse handed it to another guy on a double reverse. He whips it back to Deshaun Watson on a lateral, and Deshaun Watson throws like a six-yard pass. Right. And I'm like, if you want to make a six-yard pass any more complicated than that, I don't know what you maybe snap it out of the single wing. But like when you run a play like that, that play gets you 60 yards, not six. I'm not putting the ball in the air three times having a chance to fumble it. Those are the things I don't like about Kevin Stefanski. Yeah. Obviously, now we have to evaluate him differently this year because when you don't have Nick Chubb and you don't have Joel Batonio and you don't have Deshaun Watson, you got to cut the man a little bit of slack. I think it's ridiculous. Anybody says he should be fired. Of course, if they lose out, then that becomes a moot point. (laughs) But I like a lot of what I see. I just am a firm believer, John, that football eventually comes down to can you get third and one and Mm -hmm. can you stop third and one? Mm -hmm. They can stop third and one. Yeah. My, my, mystification sometimes is over how they choose to get third and one yes rather than relying on just basic football power and instincts and talent which i think they have enough of to just get third and one the old-fashioned way well now they did it the unconventional way uh with their first touchdown the other day on third and one i believe and they put harrison bryant back there and it was really a, a beautifully uh, uh, crafted, and it worked, uh, tackling down the field. And Kareem got the touchdown that kind of opened the scoring for the Browns and caught, got them back in that game, uh, which at the at the time you were thinking, gosh, you're up, they were down 10 nothing. That really kind of kind of gave them a boost going right. in, in the halftime. Um, you know, our kicking, it's nice to have Dustin Hopkins, an actual kicker that can uh, make – uh, most of his kicks, I think he missed initially a, uh, what a 40 or 50 yarder or something mm-hmm. like that. Um, I still think it was in though. I, I looked at the replay today and it seemed like it curved around anyway. Um, don't get, not, don't get Cleveland not, Browns fans started on. No, no, let's not talk about going back good to or bad or not good or bad. 1986, 1987. That was uh, <laughs> just a shame. I'm still dreading that. I was at the jets game, you know, that double overtime yeah. game, but then I, I didn't get to the Denver game and I, crushed but well it's your fault um, john you should have been i know i know well my wife won the game for us this 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 weekend because she came to the game and she she was shivering cold but 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 we got the win so that that so she's she's our good luck charm um 
So the Browns now, they, you know, this defense, what are your thoughts on this defense? Because a lot of us have been talking about just how, I mean, they, they, they're leading the, the league in number, they're number one with a, a passing attempts, the fewest passing attempts they have. Um, they're number one in only giving up 51% of pass completions. You know, the Broncos are giving up 76% on, on pass completions. Oh, that's a tough uh, way to live. They've only given up some 50, what, 51 first downs uh, total, which is like significantly more better than uh, anybody else in the league. Now, they've only they've played five games. Some teams have played six. But what do you think about this defense? Well, I said before, I think they're good at all three levels. I think they're good at everything they do. First of all, they can cover. They can cover you man to man. They got to keep Denzel Ward healthy. Uh, Denzel mm-hmm. Ward's missed almost an entire regular season of games and yeah. we drafted him out of Ohio in his career. And when they drafted him out of Ohio State, you remember the debate was Bradley Chubb or Denzel yes. Ward. Yeah. And I said at the time I'd take the pass rusher 100 times out of 100 over a corner mm-hmm. because the corner is going to lose his speed. But a pass rusher is going to get craftier. And you see yeah. old pass rushers. You see, you know, Dwight Freeney and you see guys making coin and mm-hmm. sacking quarterbacks yeah. late in their career. Now, Bradley Chubb's had some injuries. And when Denzel Ward is healthy, he's mm-hmm. phenomenal. Uh, but yeah. he's not healthy enough. So they got to keep him healthy. They've got Greg Newsom. They've drafted well in the secondary. Yeah. They hit. They're nasty. Uh, what would the de- what would you add to this defense? I mean, I mean, who wouldn't want a, a you know an absolute like head knocker at linebacker? But I think they right. have linebackers who make plays. Musa Coromo was a good pick, yeah. and then you know, mm-hmm. obviously everything starts with Miles Garrett and their ability to exert pressure on the quarterback. Mm-hmm. Because the reason why their percentage rate is so low is because. You don't want to throw on them because you don't want to lose mm-hmm. eight, 10 yards. And they right. have capacity across the front line to put you in a down and distance situation that's going to guarantee you punt the ball or maybe turn the ball over. So, right. again, Schwartz has done a tremendous job coordinating the defense. He's got weapons. He employs his mm-hmm. defense, defensive weapons in a smart, savvy way. So mm-hmm. uh, there's a lot to love about that Browns defense. It's it's so so interesting because, you know, we've been, had Joe Woods there. And we had a lot of the same personnel and just that changing of the schemes <laughs> and how they, how they attack the ball and they read their opponent on uh, when they're on defense is just really, really spectacular right now. We'll see what, what happens. I'm sure there'll be some variables next week. They're going to play the Indianapolis Colts out there in Indy. So we, we're going to, we can talk about that here maybe in a little bit, but um, what are your, uh, you know, we have PJ Walker from Temple university that, that, that juggernaut of quarterbacks. Um, yeah. And Journeyman had had has played in a variety of uh, on variety of teams. He actually beat Tom Brady last year when he was playing for Carolina, which is you know pretty pretty impressive, I think. Even mm-hmm. though you know, um, so he comes in and he does the job. He threw a couple interceptions. You know, he may start. the The next thing we're looking at is is Deshaun Watson. You know, we've been kind of you know coming into this game or this last game, it, it's just been odd, strange. You know, we didn't even know Deshaun was, was injured uh, till you know, coming off that, that loss to, um, or the, the win against Tennessee. And now we, we were sitting around, we've been waiting and he's still not playing. PJ Walker came in and did an admirable job. Um, I guess, what do you, what's your take on the whole, I guess, first off the quarterback situation in Cleveland right now, as it is, and then we, I thought we'd get into a little bit of the Deshaun the, the chatter uh, long-term. Uh, but what are your thoughts right now with, you know, they threw DTR out there. He was our rookie. And then, you know, that didn't work out. 
So where are you at with all of that? Well, I was not a fan of DTR. Watched him in college, wasn't a fan of him. And so, you know, P.J. Walker, you get the win against the 49ers. I mean, that's pretty hard to impeach that win. Yeah. Uh, what I would say about, you know, Deshaun Watson, I mean, that's a long conversation that I'd love to have with you because uh, I understand why they did it. I just think that um, it's something that I had doubts about when they did it. And I know you got a guy of that talent and ability, but when you sit out a year in the NFL and then you add on top of it the reasons why you sat out that year, I think it was um, somewhat of a fool's errand to think that he could come back and just seamlessly pick up. And if I could draw a parallel, you know, Tiger Woods went through his own sort of um, proclivities from a sexual perspective. And the reason why I think that affected Tiger so much is when you got an alpha who is supremely confident when he walks into the room because he knows everybody else in that room is impressed by the fact that you are who you are. And I mm -hmm. said with the Tiger Woods situation where he went on this long lag of winning a major, mm -hmm. the difference in Tiger Woods was not because of the behavior that he engaged in that people found out about. The difference was that back before people knew about that, when Tiger Woods walked into the room, uh -huh. people would say, whoa, there's Tiger Woods. Uh -huh. And after they learned about some of the embarrassing details of his life, when Tiger Woods walked into the room, he thought they were saying, there's Tiger Woods. Right, right. And I wonder how much of that is a part uh, of John Watson. Uh-huh, yeah. Because my first exposure to Sean Watson was when he was playing for Clemson. I was covering Ohio State for Sports Illustrated. Yeah. Playing in the college football playoff. And you could not get a player ever that I covered in 18 years at the Plain Dealer and uh -huh. beyond that at other places uh -huh. who was more highly thought of and respected by his uh -huh. coaches and his uh -huh. teammates than Deshaun yeah. Watson. And so when this happened with all the allegations, it just didn't fit in character. And I'm, I'm making no mm -hmm. assessment about his guilt or innocence, mm -hmm. but I can make an assessment about what that must do to a person who has grown up with tremendous and enormous and universal respect now being questioned for the character, integrity, values, and things like that, that previously were the reason why he was respected. Mm -hmm. And when those vanish, I think that does something to any man, whether they're a professional athlete or not. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Oh, I, I, Absolutely agree. I think I've I've heard you talk about that angle before, and uh, it, it is really something. That, I mean, I I guess right now with what's do you think like I mean physically right now with the shoulder, it sounds like there's something going on there. But it I mean the perception out there was that he was ready to go. We saw him warming up for the Baltimore game, and then magically now he kind of disappeared now he's on the sideline i saw him yesterday or the, <laughs> the game on sunday but it's just so you know because cleveland fans are very used to quarterbacks that have shoulder injuries and we just saw one that left <laughs> or got traded in uh baker mm -hmm. and so but he grinded it out and probably really i i don't know i mean hurt our chances probably in, in some opportunities that he had there so you know i guess that's where are you at with all that stuff <laughs> well i mean baker mayfield was always going to be a tough uh guy to love in cleveland because could have had josh allen and you didn't take him and yeah. john, john dorsey supposedly loved josh allen now that's not fair to baker mayfield because right he didn't, he didn't make him take him uh i liked a lot of things about baker uh, what i never mm -hmm. liked about baker and what i always thought would undo baker 
mm-hmm. is this stuff when he makes a big play. Like <laughs> as a quarterback, yes. you don't have to be flatlined, but you have to be focused. You aren't an emotional being out there. You have to hold up when things around you are going, you know, askew. Mm-hmm. And I didn't see that kind of focus and maturity in him and some of the other just off-field stuff that I'm like, you don't see Tom Brady doing that. You don't, and I know Brady's the exception, but you don't see really good NFL quarterbacks spending their time. And this was my assessment of Baker. He spends way too much time invested in things that have nothing to do with winning. Like carrying on a feud with Colin Cowherd. Like, do you uh-huh. see other quarterbacks do that? I don't. <laughs> now, it doesn't surprise me that Baker, you know, is delivered in Tampa because Baker is a chip on the shoulder guy. Yeah. He won the Heisman Trophy, but he viewed himself because I guess he needs some kind of psychological boost out of, I'm also the guy who's a walk-on at Texas Tech, and I had to yeah. transfer to Oklahoma, and nobody likes me, and nobody respects me. Well, if you won the Heisman and you're the number one pick, yeah. somebody likes you, and somebody right. respects you. It reminds me of Draymond Green being able to recite every single player in the NBA draft who's ever taken in front of him. And oh. I'm like, dude. I'm not a Draymond Green fan. I'm, I really love the <laughs> Nor am I. But it's like, at some point, you have to say, I've arrived. And because mm-hmm. I've arrived, there are things expected of me that belie the kind of guy I have invented myself or lied to myself that I am. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I thought Baker just never took the reins of, I'm the franchise quarterback of a franchise quarterback starved franchise uh-huh. it is an honor to be here and i'm gonna win for these people and i'm gonna do what i have to do to win for these people rather than get sidetracked by my own little personal battles of animus yes yeah well um now now he's down in tampa and uh, he uh uh, I, you know, they started off good, kind of hit, hit a snag there this week. They played the Detroit, that the hot flying, uh, Detroit lions, which you're probably, uh, I've, I've actually become kind of a fan, not just because Chris Spielman's there now, but also my son, Alec, he, who's up in uh, Grand Rapids, he's kind of become a lions fan. He actually went to a game, uh, two weekends ago. So, uh, how is Chris doing up there with the, how, what's the latest he's, he, his role, with the team up there, what is that? What's his title? Uh, I'm not sure what his title is, but uh, okay. there are only there are only two people in the organization who have uh, more title than him. He's uh, yeah a guy that they recruited to be their GM. Yeah, he was very smart in recognizing that GM was not the perfect fit for him for myriad reasons. Uh, but they wanted him so bad to be a part of their organization, and why not? Here's a guy who in the Lions Ring of Honor, beloved, uh, great player, wants to see him win. Oh, yeah. by the way, because of his uh, amazing sacrifice and and uh, courage and teaming with his late wife, Stephanie, to start the uh-huh. Stephanie Spielman uh, Fund yeah. for Breast Cancer Research, here's a guy who can sit across the table from a billionaire and ask him for money for whether it's a sports franchise or research reasons, and he's perfectly comfortable doing that. Here's a guy who'll go into the draft room and look at a film and say, no, this guy doesn't love the game. He's playing for the money or whatever. He's got the expertise to understand that. Mm -hmm. He was passed over in the first round of the draft and it fueled him for, uh, you know, the the remainder Mm -hmm. of his career. He can identify with the underdog. He's a four-time pro bowler. He can identify with the overdog. You want a guy like that in the building not to be chained to his desk, 
You want him to be able to go into the weight room, talk to guys. You want him to be able to go out on the field and coach a rookie. You want him to be able to watch tape with a GM and a head coach and have the credibility to be able to offer input that they might not. So he's a home run hire for the Detroit Lions. Oh, sure. And you see in the way the Lions are going and the way they've resurrected the career of Jared Goff and the way they've drafted. Right. They're a team on the come. No, I agree. I'm a little disappointed that you're still that he's not co-hosting your uh, We Tackle Life podcast, which I uh, adored all those times. So you know, I, I, the one thing I always appreciate about you guys, and you mentioned it a little at the beginning, but you know, when when uh, listeners like myself would email the show, or there was a there was some something that was going on at some point. There was a funny story that that Chris had some situation with his wife. And I think I commented on it on a, in an email and that you and him actually brought that up during one of your shows. I thought that was really cool. So thank you. Um, oh, sure. We love I, to have I, fun. I and uh, we did have fun. And it introduced me to a new format. And, uh, you know, now given uh, my recent medical diagnosis, the We Tackle yeah. Life podcast is back at his order. I mean, yes. at his order when I called him because it was only fair that he find out about my cancer diagnosis from me and right away. And uh, his yeah. response was, a classic reflection of our friendship, which yes. is not to say, oh my goodness, I'm so sorry, which would have been my reaction for any friend. But his first right. words out of his mouth were, I'm excited for you. You were built for this. Yes. And I knew he wasn't like, hey, dude, you're really sick and you might you know, be horribly uh, ill and nauseous during your chemo treatments and whatever. Yeah. But he instantly followed that by saying, you have to blog about this. You have to use your gifts and talents of communication to inspire other people. Yeah. And I certainly had a great template with he and Stephanie. So yeah, it's, well, let's, uh, that's let's, why I'm let's, doing what I'm doing. Let's break real quick. It will take a pause here on the Johnny Cleveland podcast, part of fans first sports network and the fanatical elves. And uh, we'll be right back. We're going to talk a little bit more about that. Bruce, I'd like to hear a little bit more of that. So we're going to break. We'll be right back. Okay, we're back on the Johnny Cleveland podcast. Uh, you know they had, they insert those commercials later on, Bruce. So you know, ah, oh. uh, you know, yeah, yeah. So I don't have I don't have TV commercials on my podcast, John. Yeah, so, explaining how the real world works <laughs> in a successful podcast. I wanted to before we get into kind of what's been going on with you lately. Um, you know, I part of the reason I you know Bruce, you've you've been on, you've written for the Plain Dealer, like you mentioned sports writing. I think that's really honestly where I remember reading some of your stuff from the plane dealer when I was younger. And then um, you, what I remember the most, and you reminded me that you were on the uh, ESPN Cleveland sports 850 from 2011 to 2016. Mm-hmm. And what I remember I was telling you is that I was living in Wichita all those years and I'd go on my two or three mile walk. And there was always, there was this dirt road back there. And I always remember I think you came on like at three o'clock or so, or you were in that early part. And then Emmett Golden came on and I think you guys combined the show for a little bit. And there was a time period where you were, I mean, you live here in Columbus, but you were either, you were doing the show from Columbus, but I, I just appreciate the fact I want you to know, and I've said this before off the air, but um, you really helped me through uh, many days uh, and going back and listening to your sports stories, because even then you would talk about, sports but you would bring it back to some other sort of thing in life or something and i thought your 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 perception on that was, was always registered with me so thank you 
Well, that's the most gratifying thing that I can hear uh, is that, you know, we didn't just entertain you, but we hopefully engaged you. Uh, I've always felt like uh, I didn't want to just be a guy giving scores. I wanted to be a guy giving perspective. And I'm not shy about occasionally applying life perspective. You have to pick your battles and you have to know that you're there to talk sports. But, you know, there were openings and I really appreciated Craig Karmazin, Keith Williams, Sam Pines, Mm -hmm. the leadership at ESPN Cleveland, that they were always willing to like let you be you i think that was the strength of the station in that day that you know obviously aaron and tony uh, continue to get uh, it done in the morning on the really big show right they allowed what was the original show the hooligans to be what it was uh 3d right. with will burge and gerard cherry uh you know and emmett was a great show reg and rhoda was a great show uh a lot of a lot of mark, tremendously mark bishop people mark what bishop did, where did where, did he have a show on the same he was with you in in a show Mark was pre Mike and Mike. Mark would have a show from I think 4:30 oh. a.m. to 6 a.m. and nobody brings the energy like Mark Munch Bishop. No. <laughs> and so we had a really robust talented staff and uh, I thought we did a great job uh offering people different kinds of commentary, different kinds of entertainment mm-hmm. on the same subject matter, which is really not an well, easy thing we- to do. That's what we like to do here on the Fanatical Elves Network. We've got a great group of contributors, um, Steve Gill and Joel Cade, the left guard, and Elliot and uh, uh, Rod Bloom. They all kind of bring a different take uh, on the shows. We actually got a young kid named Sam who lives down there in Dallas, Texas. He's a young uh, rising podcaster, loves the Browns, and he has the uh, Browns Breakdown show, which is really cool. You haven't had an intervention with him? He's a young kid that loves the Browns. Yeah, I know. Like, dude, like, you know, but, but he lives there in Dallas. So he hears all these stories about, you know, the Cowboys and, you know, Cowboy fans aren't, aren't, you know, loyal like us. I mean, we're, we're we're Browns fans. We're, we're, we're hardier. Um, You know, I used to joke, John, I was actually telling this to my wife today. I forget what context it came up in. Um, But we got to the point where on the show one day, we noticed that every caller would preface their comment with a sentence that sort of established their credibility to weigh in on the topic. And the sentence was, I've been, hi, my name's Bill. I've been a Browns fan all my life. Yes. It started to land on us. Like the guy who gets up at the AA meeting. Hi, my name is Fred and I'm a drug addict. You know, (laughs) you have to admit your weakness. And so we got to the point where everybody call in and would say, Hey, my name is Bill, and I've been a Browns fan all my life. We'd respond like they do in an AA meeting. Hi, Bill. Yeah. Because we've all we've all been through it with right. Bottle Gate and everything. So we, we all called identify it the, with what that we, means. We called it that when I was in Wichita, I was the Browns backers president of the Oz chapter, and we had what we call the Dirty Dozen, which was a group of old timers who have sat sat around the main uh, 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 table at, at the bar. And there were 13 of us. And so we, they call themselves the Dirty Dozen. And I mean, they just, it's, it's even that's it's, got a painful Browns pass to it with right. Jim Brown. Right, right, right. That's true. That's true. Um, so, Bruce, you're doing a lot these days. And I know you've just co- come, you, you mentioned earlier that you've um, you had a, a, a tumor that was uh, re- removed uh, in recent times. And I, when I saw that, I, I, I'm not sorry, but you know, I know you said Chris was, you know, but um, I also, I, I mean, I am sorry, but I, I know that you are doing so many things right now and including running for uh, school board be, behind you. I, we can see the, if you're watching this on YouTube or the X uh, you'll see some of Bruce's signs there, but 
did you, I just wanted to kind of open the floor to you to kind of share kind of what has happened recently and what your next uh, steps are and uh, wh where things are at with that. And I think what you said before the break with Chris and that connection, I just find that really interesting because I, you know, I've been listening to you for years in the podcast or the radio. Um, you know, you are a good a person to uh, go forward and, 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 and help. Well, thank you, John. I appreciate that. And uh, my life was transformed by the the courage that I saw up close and personal with Chris and Stephanie. Chris and I happened to be partners on a radio in Columbus at the fan at the mm. time Stephanie's right. battle was ending. And uh -huh. uh, I remember very distinctly the day he came in and gave us the prognosis that was more dire than any previously. And I said, what can I do? And his response was, we start the book tomorrow. And so mm. for uh, every day, for five days a week before our normal show from noon to two, we would mm. meet in our office for an hour and we would just talk about their life together. Mm. And so many of those things that Stephanie said that were her approach to fighting cancer have come back to me seamlessly without me going back and reading the book that I wrote and uh, that we published in, uh, mm -hmm. in 2011. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, I believe strongly that our life experiences prepare us for tougher life experiences that come. Mm -hmm. That's one of the reasons why I wanted to run for school board. I do a lot of uh, sports writing now for an endeavor called PressProsMagazine.com. Our friends at mm -hmm. Kirkland, I'm sure, know about PressProsMagazine.com because they have a history with one of the teams that we cover, Marion Local, that they played in the state title game last year in Canton. Mm -hmm. So I'm passionate about leadership. I'm passionate about young people. And sports is a really important part of our world because not the trophies you win, but the abilities you develop. And I'm not talking about dribbling a basketball or throwing a football. I'm talking about yeah. what do you do in sports? You practice something every day to ingrain incremental improvement so that down the road, you're a different performer than you were in the beginning. That's not, that's true of, of a guitar yeah. player, of a piano player. That's true of the arts. That's true of any endeavor that requires discipline. I think discipline is a value in our country mm. that has great use. I think the recognition of delayed gratification has great use. <laughs> I think that, you know, uh, faith and trust in teammates, the collective being more important than the individual. I think all these are values that have served our country well, and hopefully that we can mm. use to serve our country well in the future. And so my desire to run for my local school board is to do whatever I can do to raise the capacity of young people mm. in our district, to help them be successful, to help them be independent thinkers, to mm. help them be able to handle the adversity that they come. And adult, you can't mm -hmm. just throw them out there and let them sink. You've got to shepherd them through those experiences. You've got to provide mm -hmm. them good coaching, if you will. Mm -hmm. You've got to express confidence in them. You've got to do all these things that tell the young person, I believe in you, but I'm not going to rescue you because you're mm -hmm. capable of doing this yourself. And mm -hmm. I think sports, John, is the personification of those things. And that's why I guess I've always been drawn to what maybe many people might look at as a grinder like Chris Spielman, not tall enough, mm -hmm. not fast enough, whatever. <laughs> but what you never questioned with Chris, and we can think of Browns players, Cavs players, Indians mm -hmm. players, is their effort, their dedication, mm -hmm. their focus. And those are the people whose success I enjoy the most. And mm -hmm. I'm just trying to bring that down to a level where I can communicate it to young people. Mm -hmm. and if this cancer battle is a way for me to show that I don't live in fear that I understand, mm -hmm. you know, who's in charge of my future and that I've settled that issue. I can, mm -hmm. if people want that uh, message from me in great detail. They can find it at brucehooley.com where I'm a lot more 
plain spoken about those things. This is yes. not the format for that, but I would be honored if people would read my content at BruceLeaf.com. Yeah. And, uh, and I, that's, that is my true passion in life, but I see a way for that vein of passion uh -huh. in my life to infiltrate and affect other things that I'm doing. And I will honestly tell you this, and I really, I really appreciate your, your compassion and saying you're sorry. I would be sorry if this were your diagnosis. I would be sorry if this were any friend's diagnosis. Sure. Because I know it's a, it's a debilitating thing for people to hear brain tumor, brain cancer, all that. Mm -hmm. I've had like about 15 bad minutes of worrying about what might happen with side effects from treatment and stuff like that. Otherwise, yeah. I'm single-minded and this has been, this is my takeaway, this has been the most exhilarating month of my life. Because yeah. While some people would say, oh, poor you, you have this. I feel more alive than I've ever felt. And it's, I think, something you can only experience if you're in the midst of something like this. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I, um, you, you've, you know, your life experiences, even, I mean, we all have though, like you've said, and we've all had, you know, it's, it's that story and you've, you've added a kind of another, you're in another chapter of, 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 of that book. And, uh, you know, we all, it's, I'm a school counselor by, by, by day. Uh, and, uh, I'm over in Licking Heights now. And, mm -hmm. uh, you know, I've had an opportunity to be in a lot of different types of school districts. And so, um, you know, it, it's been a, a, a lifelong sort of journey for me in education and working with students and, and, uh, families and parents in the, in the community. So I, that's kind of where I sit and where I kind of see that, but, um, I'm excited to see how that all goes for you at, uh, with the, when is the uh, upcoming election and stuff with your uh, Jonathan? All it's Alder, right? Jonathan. Jonathan Alder. Alder yeah, it's yeah. Uh, the school district just outside Dublin. We are a yeah. uh, district growing like by leaps and bounds. We have five housing developments currently under construction. A six hundred oh, wow. uh, development because you know Dublin's built out, Hilliard's built out, Columbus is built out. Right. Where can we go and get? Where, where can we go and get uh, a bigger house for four hundred, five hundred thousand dollars? It's Plain City, which is Plain City, Jonathan Alder. We have yeah. one school. Uh, I remember when I came to Columbus in 1988, the Olentangy School District had one school. Now they got four. Really? They're the largest district or fourth largest district in the state of Ohio. Yeah. So, you know, I see some things they've done that I don't want to do here. And, and I right. do everything I can to I stop never it. Thought, I never thought I would end up in Columbus when I, you know, I grew up in Worcester up north. And I always thought, okay, well, I end up in Cleveland. I lived out there in Kansas, came back. And uh, now Columbus is just. I mean, when I was a kid growing up, it was always, you know, I wanted to go to Cleveland. I never wanted to come down to Columbus. I mean, the Buckeyes were down here, but that was about it. And now yeah. Columbus has just become this huge metropolitan area, just growing, like you said, by leaps and bounds. Even on our side of town, yep. I'm over in the, in the New Albany, Gahanna area, and I'm over at Licking Heights. We're blowing up, too. I mean, we're just expanding. And uh, well, yeah. something tells me Intel and Google coming to town is not going to. Yeah, just a little bit. Anyway. Yeah, I know. I It's. <laughs> Um, I know you also work at 98.9 and what are some things that you're looking I mean, the future, you've got this blog at brucehooley.com. I know I've checked that out. It's really awesome. Um, some other, what are, what are your future in, in endeavors right now looking like? Well, I think, you know, first of all, I've, I've, I've understood in the past week from conferring with three different doctors that are caring for me is that, uh, this is a very serious situation. And that it's going to take a lot out of me to go through treatment and that I need to be a little bit selfish and focus on the rest and the recovery. I mean, I do have three daughters and a wife that I dearly love. And um, as much as I would love to uh, 
develop a career um, in speaking and some of the other things, the leadership issues that we've talked about. A, I have to be here to do that. And B, I want the people that I love the most that, uh, and lend the most enrichment to my life to see me fighting as hard as I can fight. I do not have a dire diagnosis for my life expectancy. I've said from the very beginning since this matter occurred on my birthday with a seizure at work, first time I ever had any kind of a medical <laughs> episode at all, no warning at all. Uh, two hours later, I was told, dude, you have a brain tumor and you can't leave the hospital until we take it out. It was not just a tumor. It was a big one. And right. uh, that's okay because this is the kind of cancer that does not spread through your body. Okay. I don't have to worry about it getting into my spinal fluid and into my, you know, other organs like breast cancer often does. Yes. Mine is a grade three tumor. It is confined to my brain. It will always be confined to my brain, but like all cancers, it's unpredictable when it grows. So we're mm. doing everything we can to take out surgically what was there. And then we're going to do everything we can to eradicate the rest of it with uh, some some traditional therapy and some very untraditional therapy. I've done a lot of research. I'm a meticulous person, I think. We've done a lot of research and I'm attacking it a bunch of different ways oh. that I feel good about. So we'll okay. go from there. But my my takeaway was I'm not I, I'm I'm more concerned with my life's potency than I am mm -hmm. my life's expectancy. Yeah. Because you can make a difference every like day that. and I'm dedicated to doing that. And yeah. uh, part of That's that well is said. accepting opportunities like this to get, get the chance to uh, well, tell people about my situation and about whatever your situation is, plow through it. Yeah. Be good to come from it. Well, we'd love to have you back on the show and we'd love the part of the uh, fanatical elves. Uh, love you. You probably like meeting so many other guys. We have a show on Thursday nights called the fanatical elf show and uh, usually Steve and uh, Joel and Elliot come on that show. And so uh, I'm sure that they would be treat. It would be a treat to have you on sometime for that. Um, so if people want to follow you along, we're going to follow you at BruceHooley.com. Um, what, where else can we find you? Cause I know, I know I follow you a little bit on, you know, your Facebook page yeah, there. Um, uh, every blog that I write on BruceHooley.com and you and I were talking off air before we got on is I don't have mm -hmm. a problem generating content. I have a problem distributing content. Yes. And so, uh, you know, I can't afford a webmaster, full-time, you know, expert webmaster uh, to to uh, come up with the most amazing website. I'm learning on the fly, YouTube channel, Rumble channel, mm -hmm. obviously Twitter is at Behools. Uh, right. So we're trying to get the content out. And if you go to my blog, BruceHooley.com, there's a lot of stuff aggregated there from the Spielman years. The blog mm -hmm. itself about cancer is going to be over on, if it's, if it's a desktop version, it's going to be over on the right-hand side under the more tab. There'll be a okay. Spielman and Hooley drop down. There'll be a uh -huh. blog tab. If you read the blog mm -hmm. at the bottom of the blogs, now there will be a link to all my social channels. There will be a Twitter name. Okay. There will be an email. There will be speaking. You, know, you can get a hold of me to speak. There will be the rumble channel. There will be the YouTube channel okay. and LinkedIn. And I'm trying to post kind of different content on each format. Mm -hmm. I'm not LinkedIn is more like leadership stuff. The We Tackle right. Life podcast is more, it's not a sports result oriented podcast. It's a mm -hmm. sports with leadership in the headlines. Uh, you know, what does this situation tell us about leadership? So, uh, and I'm open to suggestions. If people have suggestions on how to better distribute the content, my email is pretty simple. It's brucehooley at gmail.com. Brucehooley okay. at gmail.com. No dots or dashes. If anybody wants to uh, reach out to me that way, it'd be great to hear okay. from you. 
fans in North. You've always cut. You've always responded back. So I, I've said it for many years. So that's always. I, I talking to Laura, my wife, the other day, and I, I you know, told her you're going to be coming on the show, and and uh, she she knew how much I I enjoy have, having listened to you over the years. So, Bruce, I want to thank you again for coming on this evening and uh, just sharing out and. I, I love to hear your perspective and um, good luck with everything uh, and the, including your election. When is the election? When, when does that happen? Uh, November the 7th is the election so it's, for uh, so school it's board. coming up yes, November sir. 7th. All right. Well, thanks again for joining the Johnny Cleveland podcast final thoughts, anything you'd like to share out before we leave. No, I just have had a long history professionally in Northeast Ohio, 18 years at the Plain Dealer and five at yeah. ESPN Cleveland. I uh, love uh, not just Cleveland, but I love the Canton-Akron area. I love the uh, Amish country area. I think the values Worcester. in that area. Holmes yeah, County. Worcester. Worcester, absolutely love Worcester and Kidron and Riceland and all those little towns That's down right. there. Shout out to- what's, uh, that, what's that store that you've mentioned that many times oh, yeah. over the years? That's what I always got. Yeah. What is that? My friends at Layman's Hardware, L-E-H-M-A-N-S.com. Yeah, exactly. I was talking to Glenda the other day, and uh, she's okay. a cancer survivor as well. She's an inspiration to me. So oh, I love awesome. Northeast Ohio. I feel like it's had uh, kind of a hold on my heart and my career uh, for the bulk of my time as a professional. And so it's always great to be able to uh, reinforce those relationships. And uh, I just yeah. appreciate very much the privilege to come on. Well, thank you, Bruce. I appreciate you being here. This is This has been fantastic. So Thank you again. Uh, look forward to speaking to you soon. And uh, I'm going to say, uh, like I, I, I end our show all the time by reminding our, our fans here on the Fanatical Elves Network and the Johnny Cleveland Podcast to remember to keep <laughs> smiling. Take care, everybody. <laughs>